We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, the Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, as always, happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Kosher. We are recording this episode on Thursday, August 4th. We are into August now, uh, officially, as this offseason moves, moves along, training camp moves along, and now I know we have a lot to talk about today in terms of training camp, but also a little bit of college football preview going on today as we get to discuss this upcoming year of quarterback prospects for this 2020, for this 2023 NFL draft. Um, I, I'm excited to get to it, you say, but before we get into it, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. You know, we got the college season about four weeks away at this point. We're actually recording this while the NFL Hall of Fame game is on. I mean, personally, I don't care too much for the Hall of Fame game, but I know everyone's yeah. kind of going crazy because, you know, supposedly football's back. But, you know, my viewpoint is this, is that these preseason games that we kind of see for training camp, you know, it's all pretty much just like, like their training camp practices in pads, basically, that the league is a lot is pretty much what a preseason game is. And, you know, if you're a starter, it's like they don't really mean much except those reps to kind of shake some of the rust and stuff off, get yourself back into the groove of the season. But, you know, we're going to have football every week from first week of August to the first week of February. So things are really picking up here. And I think this is our third full season doing this together, this podcast. So I know it's certainly going to be an exciting one. You know, every year I think gets more fun, but I'm ready to go. I'm excited. How are you? Yeah, doing good. I mean, like you said, I was actually watching the Hall of Fame game uh, early before we started recording this. Um, got to watch a little bit of the first half here. It was funny because the Jaguars, they basically, uh, they put out their, their I guess their uh, non-playing list or whatever, um, guys that are sitting out for the game. It was basically like their top 30 players on the roster. It's like everyone knows that the coaches know it, the organizations don't. Like these games don't really matter, especially the Hall of Fame game. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, you're just trying to get to see, get a look at um, some of these guys at the bottom of the, of the depth chart, trying to see, you know, who can fit 
on the roster who can make the 50, uh, top 53 roster, you know, guys that can fit on your practice squad. Um, and it's a good experience, I guess, for the coaches as well, especially for these new first year head coaches. Like I, I'm interested to see like from the bears perspective, like how does a game function um, on game day for this coaching staff? How do they function as a coaching staff? Like what's the process going to be for Matt Eberflus and his coaching staff? We'll get a little bit of a glimpse into it. Um, I, I think it's a good learning experience for them. Uh, but speaking of learning experiences, you know, I wanted to start off this podcast today going over uh, some of the major storylines from training camp because both you and I, you said, have been um, been able to go to some of these practices uh, so far uh, in the early going here. I was there earlier this week on Tuesday. I think you said you're going tomorrow on Friday. So, you know, a lot of interesting updates that we've been able to kind of see this team up close a little bit. Uh, and, you know, it's been interesting so far because I was there obviously on Tuesday, like I mentioned, um, you know, one of the main storylines, of course, for a lot of Bears fans is about this offense. And I know a lot of Bears fans were getting pretty, pretty, uh, let's just say agitated at Bears media, it seems like, because of this perception that, you know, Bears media is being overly negative about the Bears offense so far earlier in, te- in camp. And, you know, I-, I got some thoughts on that, you said, but I want to get your thoughts on that first, because, you know, it's a contentious topic to say the least so far right now on Bears Twitter. Yeah. So Friday, August 5th is going to be my second practice. I was there on Friday, I believe it was July 28th or actually it was, I'm sorry, Friday, July 29th that I was there. And again, you know, people need to know, like we're part of Bear Report, we're credentialed as well. So we kind of go behind the scenes and we kind of fall into that category of, you know, the Bears media on Twitter with all the beat reporters and stuff. And, you know, you and I were always going to be realistic, right? But, and I said this on the Bear Report boards too, so you should go check out that discussion, but, you know, Zach, our publisher, commented on how the offense absolutely stinks and it's got a really long way to go. And I think, you know, the perception out there on social media is that every year for training camp, right, we see these highlights, okay? We see these highlight reel throws in training camp. They're not really even in pads because the Bears had probably, I think it was three padded practices this week. And everyone's talking about how the offense is making big strides. But then within that, you know, you forget the – deficiencies in the red zone you forget the false starts the penalties you know the messed up snaps all that stuff and the bears are emphasizing situational football like never before by the way with this new coaching staff so my overall takeaway is this is that has the offense had its bright moments that you give credit for 110 percent has the offense looked like at times that it seems like matt Nagy's still back there speaking into his walkie-talkie call and plays into the quarterback's headset. Yeah, that's what it seems like too at times. But this offense is such a work in progress, right? That the reality is this, is that we're not really going to get to judge it and see it until the regular season rolls around, right? Because there's two factors that I think are playing in all of this. Number one, right? You've got an incredibly new coaching staff and it's a new scheme too. And you have Luke Getze, if you're going to break it further down, right? He's never called plays at the NFL level. When he was in Green Bay, he was a wide receivers coach and then was a QB coach, right? But the Bears are kind of trusting him with the development of Justin Fields, which get Luke Getze never really has had to develop a quarterback in the NFL. And that's specifically because the quarterback he did work with was Aaron Rodgers. Even when he was a wide receiver coach in Green Bay, well, he was working with a Hall of Fame QB, right? 
in Aaron Rodgers. And so that's one thing, right? But the number two, there's just so much turnover on this roster that's taking place, right? And it's not just the roster in general. It's the offensive side of the ball. If you count on one hand how many starters from last season are actually back, you've got Fields, Cole Komet, David Montgomery, and then probably Sam Mustafer and Larry Borm and Darnell Mooney. That leaves you with six guys, right? But the point is, is that the offense still has to gel together so much to the point where you know when the season rolls around, there's going to be these growing pains. There's going to be times you look at the offense and you say, hell yeah, that's exactly what we want to see now and in the future. And there's going to be times where they run a play, gets completely blown up, and you're probably going to be like, please never run that play again because that clearly didn't work. A lot of the reasons why the offense is startling so far in camp. I mean, it's a new coaching staff, a lot of new players coming in here. It's a new regime. And also, like, let's be honest here, the, the roster as a whole is pretty talent-efficient like that right now. And I don't think it takes a you know rocket scientist to be able to figure that out. Like, the Bears literally have the least invested offense in the NFL right now. And when you invest that little in the offense, it's, it's going to be talent-efficient. I mean, it is what it is right now. But, I mean – in terms of like the overall grand scheme of things, like, yeah, like it's first year offensive coordinator, first year coaching staff, they're trying to build a foundation here for what they want this offense to be. And, you know, it's going to take some time before you see, you know, the dividends get paid here for where this offense is going right now. And, I, and I'll say, like, you know, when you look at, I like the point you bring up about like the highlights being shared on Twitter because you look at a lot of the highlights, a lot of them are like in one on one drills where, you look at the one-on-one drills, like those are drills designed to make the offense like look good. Like, you know, defensive players, they're on an island. Uh, they don't have any help. They don't have any scheme help. You know, the quarterback doesn't have a pass rush, you know, coming his way. Uh, the quarterback can just focus on getting the ball to his receiver there. Like there's so many factors favoring the offense in those drills. So like, it's one of those things where any offensive player will tell you that, you know, the offense is supposed to win in one-on-one drills because they have every single advantage uh, to make a play there. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's good for the coaches and the players because they can work on some technical things uh, to round out their games. And hopefully that translates to the actual, you know, the actual games and the actual, when, you know, the pass start flying and, and everything like that, the bulls are flying and all that stuff. But, you know, in terms of whether, you know, these one-on-one, one-on-one reps like mean anything in the grand scheme of things, they really don't. They're just there as kind of like, you know, fluff for the fans to kind of get excited about it at these practices and it's good for you know players to be able to get some experience in those one-on-one situations but you know like I was there on Tuesday you know I look at this offense like they had a really good goal line drill which was funny because the goal line drill the way they set it up they pretty much put it in the one corner of uh, the field they, there were two separate fields they were on their own fields I think one and two for uh, that practice they were on the field where they were on the exact opposite side of where the um, stands were for where the fans could sit. And they were on the opposite side of where the fans could stand um, to watch practice. So they're literally on the opposite corner of where all the, everyone, anyone's able to watch this thing. So literally if you were a fan, unless you were a media who were able to go a little bit closer to the action there, you literally couldn't see what was going on. And that was like the one period of that practice where the offense actually looked pretty good. Like apparently the goal line stuff, they, they only, they had like 
uh, a bunch of reps where they got a bunch of touchdowns. They only they scored a touchdowns in all but like two uh, reps during that entire drill. Like they did an awesome during that goal line drill. But you know, when I was there for that practice, the rest of it was it was tough to watch. Man, this passing offense is a little bit behind right now. I I, I will say, and you can kind of see, you know, the lack of talent at wide receiver and in the tight end room when they have to go to these seven on seven drills and these 11 on 11 drills where receivers have to get open by themselves and you know they can't benefit from play action or, or scheming up by getsy or anything like you know it's just the way this offense is set up right now where there's going to be some struggles there like fields he had some tough moments in the practice i was at like the two minute drill uh zach talked to me talked about this um for the practice i think it was on monday where you know he thought the two minute drill that was a closed practice by the way but he talked about how, you know, the two-man drill just was ugly to watch that first day. And it was the same thing the day I was there uh, where the two-man drill just – it was tough to watch. Um, Justin Fields only had, like, one completion that time. So, you know, they're, the offense is struggling right now. Does that mean it's going to struggle when it gets to the games? You know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening here. I will say that like, I'm encouraged by a couple of things here. I think Fields, for the most part, when, you know, they allow him to kind of run that play-action stuff, he looks – in this offense you know he's delivering the ball accurately down the field uh, on some of his deep shots here he clearly has that rapport with Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet guys that were here last year um you know this running back room I think a lot of these guys look pretty good Tristan Ebner he's made a couple of big plays in the running game in some of these practices really showing off that speed I was impressed by him when I saw him um you know I think Bills Jones I, I you know did not like the pick at the time but He's shown that he's got something there. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, productive as a rookie, but there's definitely something in there. You can see the speed and the explosiveness when he's out in the football field. Can he put it all together as a, you know, as an all-around good wide receiver? You know, time will tell, but he's going to have a role in this offense. And Luke Getzey himself, I mean, you can see it. Um, he does have some creative designs um, for this offense here. So there are some things to build off of. I think it just comes down to the fact that, you know, this offense just isn't very talented and they're still in the process of building this thing from the ground up right now. So that's why you're going to see some struggles. Typically defenses at this time of the year are, are way ahead of the offenses anyway. So, I mean, it is what it is. You look at it across the NFL right now, most teams, the defenses are kind of winning these battles and practices. So that's just kind of the way things go. So, you know, for Bears fans out there that are getting on, you know, you know, the Bears beat who are reporting this stuff and talking about how, you know, the Bears are really good right now. Like, I think every one of the Bears media gets it too, that like, yeah, like the offense at this point in time is not going to look good compared to the defense. The defense is supposed to look good in these team drills right now. It's just the way that it goes. But again, you look at the context of this offseason, the Bears didn't really do much to upgrade or improve this offense. You know, they really want bare bones here. Um, they have a lot of young guys that they're working in the, on the offensive line. Just feels going into a second year. Like it is expected that this, this offense is going to have some growing pains with the first year offensive coordinator. Um, and when the media reports anything about the offense struggling, like the, the Bears media, I guess we're included on this. Our job isn't to be cheerleaders for the Bears team and only give you guys the positive story, the positive spin on what's going on. We're there to report what we're objectively seeing and you know, if we're seeing that the Bears offense is struggling, we have to report that the Bears offense is struggling and detail what they're struggling with, you know, with the information that we can, um, you know, go out there with, you know, because Bears PR, they don't want you 
um, giving out all the secrets for what they're doing right now, but with the information that we can uh, present to, you know, our listeners and readers and all that stuff, like, I mean, yeah, the Bears offense is struggling and that there's no way to go around it. Are they showing some nice flashes here and there? Absolutely. There's definitely some positive signs. Like apparently uh, on Wednesday, the Bears offense looked much better or at least showed signs of being a lot better um, and a much more consistent day. So, you know, you hope that they can start building and stacking days like that going into this first preseason game. But I mean, it's, it's training camp. I mean, this is the way this is expected to go. And again, I, I don't think Bears fans should be expecting a good offense this year anyway, because you have to be able to look at this group objectively, objectively and say, you know, the talent level is what it is. We'll see what Justin Fields will guess he can do with it at this point. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned talent level. You mentioned Vilas Jones Jr. I think you can't really talk about what's gone on the first basically week and a half of camp without acknowledging how phenomenal the Bears rookie class has been. Now, it's only training camp, I understand. But, hey, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, your two second-round DBs, I mean, they consistently come up with takeaways. They are incredibly versatile. They're great athletes. They're ball hawks. You look at Vilas Jones Jr., you and I, we were not fans of the pick. But, hey, Vilas Jones Jr. told us on Friday when I was there during the press conferences, he said, hey, they're having me play F. They're having me play X. They're having me play the Z. They're pretty much having him play all three wide receiver positions. Now, Velas Jones' comment really sticks out to me because I think the reality is this, is that the Bears are going to move two wide receivers around this year. It's going to be Velas as well as Darnell Mooney. And so how the Bears plan to get creative with those two, I think is really going to go ahead and open up the passing game. And then there's two more rookies. I think the Bears' fifth-round rookies are not getting enough love and enough credit right now. You know, offensive tackle Braxton Jones, he's a fifth-round pick, okay? He's someone that's consistently gotten some of these first-team reps. He got them throughout OTAs, rookie camp, got them throughout mandatory minicamp, and now you do see Braxton Jones out there working with the first team. So that shows the Bears are incredibly high on Braxton Jones, and you need to keep an eye on Braxton Jones if you're going to be in Lake Forest over the next couple weeks. And then the second guy, and I think that he's not necessarily getting the credit that he deserves, but it's edge rusher Dominique Robinson from Miami of Ohio. He committed to Miami of Ohio as a wide receiver, still relatively new to the edge rusher position, started playing it in 2020, COVID kind of shortened the season, was a rotational player for the Red Hawks last year, but hey, he's drawn praise from Travis Gibson, Robert Quinn, Alan Williams. They've said that he's got all the modern day traits needed to be a edge rusher in the NFL and a damn good one too. Alan Williams called him essentially a student of the game. And I think that when you look at the Bears situation right now, I mean, Dominique Robinson, if he comes in and starts dominating, I think that that makes a guy like a Robert Quinn incredibly expendable because when we do talk about the trade deadline about two and a half months here there's a chance if Dominique Robinson's lighting it up the Bears could say hey Robert I'm sorry you know you're done which Robert Quinn addressed the trade rumors too he said it's a business decision but you know the emergence of Jones and Dominique Robinson I don't necessarily think we're talking about enough and those are two players you need to keep an eye on if you're going to be at Hallis Hall for training camp because if those two start and end up playing a significant role I mean you have to give credit to Ryan Poles as well as the front office and the scouts for just identifying those two talents and then major credit to the coaching staff for developing those guys and getting them up to speed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, you talk about Brisker and Gordon. Uh, both of those guys have been very impressive when I've been in, when I was there for practice. Brisker made a couple of really impressive plays in coverage, which was very, very promising to see. Gordon, I mean, you can just tell he's just a different athletically compared to everybody else. Like this guy, he's so fluid. He's big and physical for a quarterback. Um, he's, he's so explosive. Like it all stands out when he's on the football field. He, he just looks different compared to the rest of these guys. So you feel good about your second round picks. Like we said at the time when they were drafted, though, like, you know, even though we kind of disagree with this, with the overall strategy of going defense first, you know, the players that they got, if they're going to go defense first, like those are probably the two of the best guys they could have gotten given the guys that were available to fill roles because both those guys, they have good upside and they're guys that are going to be ready to start right away. And both of them are getting those reps right away and they look pretty damn good so far. So uh, I agree. Gordon Brisker, they've been very impressive so far. And, you know, again, I, I, w- I didn't have a ton of time to focus on the offensive line when I was at practice because I was focused more on uh, the receivers and Justin Fields and seeing how, you know, how that operation was handling itself. But, you know, the offensive line, they've had some struggles in camp, but Braxton Jones, the fact that he's getting first team reps so early on, like, I like Braxton Jones a lot going into the draft process. Like he was one of my sleepers. He was one of my guys going into the draft. Um, and it was pretty, it was a pretty satisfying moment for me when he got drafted by the Bears because I was like, oh man, I thought this guy was like a really good sleeper. I thought this guy had a lot of upside. I did not expect him to be getting any first team reps during his first training camp, especially this early in the training camp process. And it sounds like, you know, again, like you said, he's really impressive coaching staff. Um, you know, now caveat to that, it's not like there's a lot of competition for that left tackle job. Like they signed Riley Reef, but you know, he can play left tackle or right tackle. So it kind of comes down to who they think is more impressive, like Braxton Jones or Larry Borm. And Braxton Jones is obviously this front office's guy. Um, you know, we don't even have to get into the Tevin Jenkins whole fiasco, which we could talk about that, but I don't know. We can probably save that for another time because it just, who knows how that's going to play out at this point, but stick with Braxton Jones. Like, yeah, the fact that as a fifth round pick, he's getting first team reps, he's probably going to be the starter going into their first preseason game. Like we'll see how he does. I think, I think the big test for him is going to be in that first preseason game because, you know, Robert Quinn hasn't had a huge presence in these team drills so far. So, I mean, largely, you look at Braxton Jones, he's going up against Al-Kadi Muhammad, um, who's had a pretty good camp. He's going up against Travis Gibson. He's going up against Robinson, like you just mentioned. Like, he's going up against these other guys. Like, how is he going to do when he actually goes up against, like, actual NFL, you know, really damn good pass rushers in the NFL? That's where I kind of question things. 
uh, for him as a fifth round pick. Because again, I like him. I think his upside is immense, but you know, is he going to be ready coming from a small school to be a, a day one starter for you for all 17 games? I, I don't know. I, I didn't see that in Braxton Jones film. So it's possible that, you know, he's just like a sponge and he's with these coaches and he's just learning a ton and um, getting better. But yeah, we'll just have to see how he does in the preseason game because there's only so much you can do, especially for a team like the Bears that's rebuilding and the talent level just isn't quite there um, compared to some of the, these other teams in the NFL. Um, you want to see how these guys react to playing against different teams who may have a little bit more talent. And certainly the Chiefs are a team that has a bit more talent than the Bears. So it's going to be an interesting test for them. Um, before we move on to, the, to our quarterback discussion here, you said, any final thoughts on training camp so far as we kind of wrap up the last, I don't know, first two weeks of training camp? Yeah, I think just one final thought is this, is that when you go to evaluate the Bears offense, right, you know, you have to be objective with it because this is a unit that's going to go through a lot of growing pains. And people also, I think, have to understand one big thing is that the best offenses take time to build, right? You need to have continuity at a couple key positions. Quarterback's obviously the big one, but there needs to be continuity at offensive coordinator, at quarterback coach as well, continuity in terms of who the play caller is, but also just one quick thing because we haven't mentioned it yet. I think when you look at the defensive side of the ball for the Bears, right, there's only a handful of starters from last season that are returning, and that's... I'm including Roquan Smith in here because I do expect that he'll be back at some point before the regular season begins. Then you have Robert Quinn, you've got Travis Gibson, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson. That's basically, what, five guys back, right? So the defense had a lot of turnover too, right? But not as much as the offense, obviously. And so ultimately, when you look at that, right, I think the big takeaway for me is that the defense has played better than a lot of people have expected. And also, when you look at the defense, I think it's playing with a newfound energy and attitude this year. And you just feel it when you get an opportunity in the 11-on-11s to evaluate the camp. And I think that, you know, rookies like Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, they are adding more to the unit than I think a lot of people expect. And I think there's certainly a case to be made for where Gordon and Brisker do finish when... People start to do their redrafts in January, February, March of 2023, and they evaluate this year's rookie class. I think Gordon and Brisker are probably going to be two high first-round picks. Both of us agree that it was a pretty strong draft in terms of the players that they picked uh, when they originally, when we originally were at the draft uh, time. And, you know, these guys have contributed so far. And I'm excited to see how they do in the actual game setting. I know preseason, like we kind of mentioned before, it's not really real football because a lot of, a lot of the things are just very vanilla scheming wise and coaches are just kind of trying to evaluate things more than anything. Uh, they're not really, you know, going out there trying to necessarily scheme up things and really go full throttle just yet. But uh, I'm excited to see these guys play in the game situation because there's only so much to clean from training camp and, you know, I'm excited to get back to training camp. I'm going to be going to a couple more of these practices before their first game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, looking forward to that. But also what I'm looking forward to for this podcast uh, is talking about some of these quarterbacks for this upcoming 2023 uh, draft class and really the upcoming 2022 college football season. So let's transition to that, you said, to talk about a little bit of a preview for this quarterback uh, draft here for the 2023 draft. And, um, you know, wh where we're going to start for this one is, you know, there's pretty clearly two definitive tiers when you look at this quarterback draft so far. And again, a lot can change. 
over the next couple of months because as we've seen in years past, you know, while we've had some established guys going into these years, there's always that one or two quarterbacks that step up in the middle of the year and really establish themselves as first round picks. So I think what we should do, you say, is talk about the established guys at the top of this draft class and then get to some of our um, sleepers, I guess you could say, that could impress and, and make their way up into first round conversations by the year's end. So let's start with the two established guys. And really, the two headliners here for this 2023 draft class going into uh, this upcoming college football season are Bryce Young out of Alabama, who, of course, was the Heisman Trophy winner last year, uh, led Alabama to the national championship game where they ended up losing to Georgia. Um, had a terrific season uh, overall. I think he had, well, like 47 touchdowns uh, as a first-year starter. Very impressive year uh, for him. And he's coming um, the hope is that he's better than ever for this Alabama football team. And then C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, you know, taking over for Justin Fields is a tough act to follow, uh, especially with Justin Fields, how good he was for Ohio State there. Um, but, you know, C.J. Stroud, he had an impressive uh, first season at Ohio State. Kind of started off a little bit slow, but you just saw him get better throughout the course of the year. And he looked really good at the end of the year, had some really impressive performances. So uh, when we look at these top two quarterbacks, you said, you know, what are some of the defining things that stand out about these guys that you're looking forward to seeing from them this year? Yeah, I mean, you look at Bryce Young last year. I mean, it was kind of his first year as a starter, and I really thought it was all about just being able to go ahead and get his feet wet. But with that said, I think for him as a first-year starter, he was much farther along than a lot of people anticipated, right? He's going into his junior season. You look at him overall. He's obviously, in terms of size, is not his biggest kind of asset. But I think he makes up with that because his mental makeup is incredibly smart. He's also a damn good athlete. You know, he's able to kind of read and scan the field very easily. When he does get to the NFL level, obviously he'll have to go ahead and start to play faster. But I think, you know, my overall takeaway with Bryce Young is this, is that he had a lot of really good moments in 2021, okay? No one's denying that. But if there's one piece of advice I would give Bryce, it would be that, hey, just go out there and just play, okay? There were times last year where you kind of saw on film and just in live games where it was kind of, hey, Bryce, you know, you might be thinking too much on this specific play. Just take kind of what the defense gives you. Obviously, the um, short to deep passing game is great. You know, he's a really prolific passer, but it's just, hey, just go out there and go ahead and just play. Don't necessarily hesitate because I think that is – a young quarterback, right, when you go ahead and you start hesitating, you know, you're kind of second-guessing some of the decisions you make. You may be able to get away with it in college football, especially for a team like Alabama that has really good playmakers. But in the NFL, those types of things are going to eat you alive. And I think we've seen over the last couple of years that quarterbacks who make the jump from college to the NFL, especially the high draft picks, they're not necessarily bust because they don't have the physical talent. It's more so they're not able to handle the mental aspect of the game. And then switching over here to CJ Stroud, right? CJ, I think is really intriguing as a player because last year he did have a hell of a lot of continuity, right? You saw Thayer Munford, Nicholas Petit Frere back, obviously the two tackles. Okay. They had a relatively new interior, of the offensive line at Ohio State with the previous year, guys like Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis turning pro. But then you look at the two wide receivers, which I believe made a big difference. You had Chris Olave as well as Garrett Wilson, two of the best in the nation last year. You had tight end Jeremy Ruckert. So that core around CJ, I thought really helped him. Did he start off slow against 
teams like Minnesota in the early seasons to the point where, okay, you know what? You knew that the Ohio State offense wasn't going to be as explosive because C.J. Stroud's not explosive as a guy like Justin Field. But I thought C.J. settled in so fine. And as the season progressed, the game just slowed down for him. He's obviously bigger than Bryce Young. I think C.J. is like 6'3", 225, something like that. But I think he's got a really good arm. You know, I think they... If he just improves his footwork just a bit, then the sky's absolutely the limit for him. And so overall for CJ, you're getting a quarterback who's got incredibly high potential, but if he can kind of get, you know, his upper body mechanics in sync with his lower body mechanics, he's going to become a more well-rounded quarterback prospect. And I want to say something regarding Stroud and Bryce Young. Right now, the debate is either one could go number one overall, but I think that as the season goes on, they, there are going to be some people who've got CJ ranked ahead of Bryce. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, it's an interesting argument because... I think when you look at both these guys, both of them kind of play a different style of football at the quarterback position. When you look at Bryce Young, um, he's more of that improviser where he, you know, when a play breaks down, he's not a guy that's going to really stand in the pocket tall and um, go through all of his reads. Like if his first or second read is not there, he's going to look to scramble, he's going to look to get outside the pocket, and he's going to look look to make a play. Now. One thing that both these guys have in common is that when they scramble, they're looking to scramble to throw down the field. They're not looking to uh, scramble to run necessarily. They're looking to scramble to set up a bigger passing play down the field to hopefully uh, get a big game, the passing game when the coverage breaks down. Like uh, that's one of the things I was really impressed with both of these guys is, you know, in terms of that aspect of, you know, playing quarterback, um, that is a very nice trait they have going to the next level because when you get to the next level, you know, unless you're a freak athlete like Lamar Jackson, you're not going to be able to rely on running the ball as much um, and picking up yards with your legs when you're when the play breaks down because NFL defenses are too fast and they can key in on that stuff. So you got to be able to have that second nature ability to look down the field and you know see guys in the scramble drill that's that are getting open and deliver the ball to them. So Bryce Young, that's really his game is kind of built off of that. Um, I, th- I think one of the things when I look at, you know, Young and his potential moving forward, he does so much despite the fact that his mechanics and his pocket presence are kind of like pretty rough right now, in my opinion. Like his mechanics are like all over the place. Like he doesn't really have a very consistent throwing motion. His footwork is kind of messy. Like he- he's very like on his toes and antsy in the pocket. Like 
And the fact that he was able to have as much success, and I know a lot of people will say, well, he plays Alabama with those receivers. Like, of course, he's going to be good. But, like, he made a ton of really really impressive, incredible throws last year and a lot of really gutsy plays to elevate that offense last year. Um, I mean, you go back and look at that uh, championship, uh, SEC championship against Georgia where he just lit them up. He lit up the best defense in the country, really one of the best defenses we've ever seen at the college football level in the modern era. And, you know, he made them look like they were second rate uh, for the majority of the game. Now, they, they came back and, you know, did a pretty good number on him in the, in the, in the uh, NCAA, in the national championship game. Um, but with that said, you know, for that one game, Young looked pretty damn good against that Georgia defense and lit them up. Um, and again, you got to remember for that championship game, you know, Mechie was out, Williams was out, like they had his top guys were out for that game. So it was a little bit tougher in terms of the level of difficulty there. But I, I think for Young, I think one of the things that he has to work on um, is just being able to go through all this reads, standing tall in the pocket. The offensive line struggled at times last year for him. So I, I think that might have had something to do with it. Um, but again, he's got to, he's got to like get down some of those more fundamental aspects of playing the position because, you know, all the off script stuff is great. And the fact that he can make all these throws off platform is great. But when you play the way he does with, you know, the lack of consistent footwork and the lack of consistent mechanics and not always looking to stand in the pocket and go through rates instead of trying to like scramble out all the time is at least a very inconsistent play to play, um, you know, accuracy, you know, just the play to play consistency isn't always there. You'll see balls where, um, you know, they should be pretty easy throws and they're, you know, airmailed or in the dirt or um, just not coming out of his hand correctly. You know, he'll have a lot of wobblers out there for some reason. And I'm not sure because he's kind of a smaller guy. I'm not sure what his hand size is, but you know, it could be attributed to that, but he's going to have to tighten that up, I think, going into next year. Whereas Stroud, you look at him, he's much more refined in terms of when he's in the pocket, like he has a very strong pocket presence of knowing when to step up in the pocket, uh, very consistent footwork and mechanics, his arm motion. He's got a very quick release, which is one of the things I really like about his game. And what that does is it allows him to accentuate that arm strength to its maximum, maximum effect. Um, whereas young, you know, he's got, you know, he's got a good arm because when he puts it all together, he can make some really damn good throws. Stroud, it's a lot more consistent in terms of the velocity that he can put on the ball um, on a down to down basis, because he's got that consistent base. He's got the consistent footwork that releases consistent and quick. Uh, there's not a lot of wasted motion there. So Stroud, um, he's much more polished, I think, as a true, you know, pocket passer at this point. Uh, he reminds me a lot of, you know, Dak Prescott, what he does where he does have the ability to go off script a little bit. It's not the strength of his game, but he can, you know, go off script a little bit when the play breaks down, but he's so good in the pocket of going through all his reach. I mean, you can see, you know, his eyes are constantly moving across the field. He's constantly um, going through um, his progressions and getting to the next, you know, next guy in the progression goes through it really quickly. I thought for a first year starter, like he got better with that as the year brought up went on. Um, like his Michigan State game was an absolute clinic uh, this past year in terms of it, it just felt like he executed that offense flawlessly for at least for the first half. Like he was so good in that game. Um, he had some other impressive outings as well. I, I know he had some struggles like Oregon was not his greatest game. Um, he had some struggles against Michigan, that pass rush with Hutchinson and Ojabo getting after him so there's definitely some room for improvement with him and I think he played about as an I as ideal 
of a situation as he could for a college quarterback, similar to Justin Fields. Like both those that Ohio State offense is a, a juggernaut. And we look, we look at the level of wide receiver talent that they have year after year, especially this, this past group. Um, and then the offensive line are pretty consistent year after year. Like it's an ideal situation for a quarterback, especially in the big 10, which is not as talented on defense as the sec, which, you know, it's a, it's a different level of difficulty for a guy like Bryce Young, but Stroud was really impressive. I thought, and going back to this argument here of who's the top guy, you know, at this point in time, you know, who are you taking as your top guy of the two as it stands right now? And a lot could change over the past, over this next year. Um, you know, we have a lot of football to play this upcoming season, but as it stands right now, you know, who do you think is ahead when it comes to these two at, at the current moment? Yeah, I certainly think it's so tough to say, but I would say CJ Stroud going into 2022 right now as my QB one. Certainly I think that could change just because I think one of the major aspects to look at and just factors in general is that Ohio State did lose those five names that I mentioned earlier in Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jeremy Rucker, Thayer Munford, Nicholas Petit Frere. Those were five key guys from Ohio State's 2021, 2020 championship run. Okay. So ultimately, I look at that and I say, hey, how is CJ going to perform this year? when he doesn't have all those polished playmakers around him. Jackson Smith, Najigba, wide receiver from Ohio State, who I think is an early target for the Bears next year. He's somebody that you ultimately look at and say, okay, he's one player that's returning. But the rest of kind of that Ohio State core, you know, they're breaking in everyone new. And so I think that's what's going to tell us a lot about CJ Stroud, whereas you look at a player like a Bryce Young, Alabama did lose some talent this past year. Guys like John Mechie declaring for the NFL draft. But you know what? I think right now I would take CJ just based off the fact that the game really slowed down for him. Now, that doesn't mean that Bryce can't be a good player. I think Bryce is going to emerge. But based off right now, I would take CJ Stroud. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think Stroud right now, based off of the way he plays right now, I think the way he plays um, um, currently, it's much more, it translates much better uh, to the NFL right away than Bryce Young. And I think upside-wise, Stroud, like he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, There's a lot to like about both of these guys. So it's tough to say, but I agree. I think Stroud's a little bit ahead. I think I, I feel and, and to, if I were to drop these guys into an NFL offense right now and say, like, who has the best chance of being able to be ready day one to start and execute an NFL offense, I would say C.J. Stroud probably has the upper hand on that right now because he's already showing the ability to go through progressions and play in the pocket so effectively um, and manage the pocket effectively, whereas Bryce Young, you know, he's still got a ways to go there. Now, the playmaking ability is fantastic with Young and the arm talent is, is fantastic with him. Um, but it's the little things about playing the, about playing the position at the NFL level. It's not just about the highlights and the, and, the, and um, you know the upside plays that you see. Um, it's about the consistent down to down consistency. And right now, I, I think Stroud is a little bit more consistent down to down in terms of you know playing the quarterback position um, at the NFL caliber level that you know you want to see from uh, these college prospects, but. You know, Stroud and, and Young, these aren't the only two quarterback prospects to talk about here for uh, this upcoming cl- class. And I think one of the biggest conversations for this class is we have those top two there. Who's going to be that third guy that kind of establishes himself 
as a first round talent because there are a lot of different guys who can throw their hat in the ring here and we're going to go over them um you know pretty quickly here so you say i'll go with you um who are kind of three names to kind of watch out for in your opinion you know you know what do you think that are traits that are intriguing about these guys and you know what are your expectations for uh some of these players you know you're right after young and shot it's certainly a toss-up but one guy I've got my name on is Will Levis from Kentucky. You know, he's about six foot four, 235, 240 pounds. He is a senior this year. When you look at him, I think he's a pretty good athlete. He's certainly got all the tools and the traits. He's got the size as well as the necessary athleticism needed to play quarterback at the next level. But the reality is this, is that he can finish as quarterback three. It's just... He lacks poise and discipline at times, especially when you start throwing complex blitzes at him, right? There's times where you see him getting pressured. You see the pocket breaking down. All of a sudden, Will Levis is just kind of hoping that something really good happens instead of making something really good happen. And then the next guy I've got is Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. I think that when we talk about him come the springtime, he is going to be a player that is kind of viewed by a lot of people as being a second or third round prospect. But if all goes well going into his sophomore season, he can certainly really rise up those draft boards. Now, when I look at him, right, I really like the measurables there. I mean, he's about six foot four, 230 pounds, you know, so he's got the size, right? And he's like Will Levis is kind of one of the bigger quarterbacks in this class. I mean, his biggest talent just might be the arm that he has. He's got a rocket of an arm, you know, and then you just look at what he's been able to do in the Hurricanes offense. I think there's a lot of encouraging signs there. But then the reality is this is that there's – experience that he really lacks and I think that that lack of experience showed up at times last season the experience will gain more this season right but Van Dyke is a player that just you look at and you say there's times where you could tell he wasn't reading a coverage properly there's times where he really wasn't able to anticipate the pressure coming from the backside when it came to the pass rush and so as a result those things hindered him right and then a third guy that I find to be a complete mystery, but it's going to be interesting to see how Brian Kelly does at LSU in his first season, right? His quarterback, Miles Brennan. I mean, he's a senior going into this year, about six foot five there, you know, and he's had a couple injuries in the past, but I think that there is something there with Miles Brennan where he's incredibly kind of calm and collected quarterback but the reality is that for him he seemingly thinks too too much at times and is unable to kind of make the right decision when the time is right and what I mean by that I mean that you know there's times where he holds on to the ball too long he's not necessarily able to anticipate pressure you know he takes these unnecessary sacks and creates these unnecessary turnovers so you know, those are things that I think in terms of mentally are really going to work against Miles Brennan. And so ultimately for him, he kind of has to go ahead and just has to kind of play faster, but also play smarter if he is going to start rising up draft boards. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, out of the three you mentioned there, I think Will Levis is definitely the most intriguing for me. You know, Levis, I think for a lot of people, he seems to be that third guy that a lot of people are mentioning for this draft class. And I know it's not established yet because there's just a lot of a lot of question marks for the, with a lot of these guys. Not a, a, not many of them have really established themselves yet, but Levis probably has the most established resume. You look at his arm talent, like he's got a live arm. He's got good size and um, you know, I kind of describe it like this, like Levis doesn't really have the, you know, the ability, the high end ability to make those off-script plays like Bryce Young. Um, but he's got very similar arm talent, I will say, but he doesn't have that. He, he's definitely not as refined or as, you know, consistent as CJ Stroud is as a pocket passer yet. So he's kind of like, he's got some of the traits that both of those guys have, but not quite to the same degree. There's a little bit of both in there. Um, so Levis, you know, he, he is an intriguing player. I'm excited to see what he does for Kentucky this year. Um, Cause if he can put it all together, like that arm, that arm talent that he has is really, really freaking good. <laughs> you know, like he can make some really top notch throws and it's about the consistency with him because he had some games last year where he looked, he looked like he was going to be that next guy um, for this draft class. And then some other games late in the year where he really wasn't really impressive and he was just really all over the place. So he's got to put it all together, but the talent is definitely there. Um, in terms of the guys that I'm looking at here, um, you know, in terms of guys that need to put it all together, but have all the talent in the world. I mean, let's talk about Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Um, you know, Richardson is about as much of a mystery as it gets because, you know, it's possible that he may not even declare, but I, it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, this guy is just a freak athlete at the quarterback position. I mean, he's got a great size. He's a phenomenal athlete in terms of like, he's fast, he's quick. He can make guys miss. He can, you know, run guys over in the run game when he decides to scramble and he's got a phenomenal arm. He can make throws that not many you know, college quarterbacks can make. The problem with Richardson is that he's only got 198 college dropbacks. So, you know, he's not somebody that has a ton of experience here. He's never been a full-time starter. And it's, it's expected that he's going to be a full-time starter this year for Florida. And if he lights it up, like it's very possible that he, he could be in the first round conversation um, this upcoming year, because he's got all the tools. It's about getting more reps in there. It's about finding consistency as an actual passer and that's where I'm excited to see what he does. Can, you know, as a first year starter, can he really put it all together and ascend to that level of a Stroud or Bryce Young? Because tools wise, like he's got all the tools and it's just a matter of getting experience and seeing what he can do with the opportunity that he has. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at Florida. Um, can certainly do a lot there. Uh, in terms of the second guy that I'm looking at here, um, I'm looking at uh, Stanford quarterback, a little bit of an opposite play style here. Uh, Tanner McKee out of Stanford. He's probably your, cl- your classic drop back uh, pocket passer. Uh, you know, has good arm, good mechanics in the pocket, 
um, but not somebody that's going to really make a lot of plays outside of structure. I think that's probably one of the things that's going to limit McKee when uh, looking at him translating to the next level is, you know, a lot of quarterbacks now, you want them to be able to do things in structure. That's the top priority. But, you know, when things break down, the special quarterbacks are able to make things happen outside of structure. And that's where McKee really struggles. Now he's playing at Stanford. So Stanford doesn't have uh, the greatest passing offense in the world. They really are a throwback in terms of they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, it's that they play a lot of traditional old school offense. So it's not conducive really to a, um, a quarterback prospect, prospect like McKee. Um, showing out and showing out um, his, his talent. But, you know, I, I was impressed with the, uh, his game film last year. I thought he'd show some uh, nice things. Um, again, I think he's really, really solid as a pocket quarterback. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever um, if, you know, he goes out there and has a really good year. And, you know, one fun thing to note with McKee is that he was in the same high school recruiting class as Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So he's a little bit older of a prospect. So he's been around for a while here in college football. Um, and we'll see whether he can put it all together here. He's going to be 23 years old. So a little bit older there. Let's see what he's got. Um, and then the last guy I'll mention here, he was a guy we talked about a bit last year. You know, I had him as my quarterback one going into this past year's draft class for 2022. And that's Spencer Rattler. And boy, did things fall off a cliff for him at Oklahoma this past year. Like, um, he's the third guy to look out for because I, I, I've got to believe that the talent is still in there for him to put it all together. But man, this last year at Oklahoma was so rough um, for him. Like he just, not only did he not get better, like you, you would project for him, but he got actively worse. I felt like um, he was not executing the instructor stuff. He was making a ton of bad decisions off, off schedule. Um, you saw too many of those like YOLO throws that, you know, he came accustomed to in 2020, that became such a huge problem for him in 2021. That's what led him to get benched. Um, you know, you're playing in Lincoln Riley's offense, which is one of the, you know, for college quarterbacks, probably one of the easiest uh, offenses to play in, in terms of putting up big numbers and, and looking good uh, for NFL scouts. And he just, I don't know what happened with him last year. It was a disaster, but he goes to South Carolina now. He's got a new opportunity here. He's, you know, it's a fresh start for him. And I'm excited to see what he does because the talent is there with Spencer Rattler. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, I don't know if it's a maturity issue with him or, or a leadership issue with him, but he's got to be able to put it all together. If he can put it all together, like there's so much talent with him. He's got the arm talent. He can make plays off schedule. Um, he's got ability to make off script throws um, off platform. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened with him last year, but um, that would probably be the third guy that I'm looking forward for. Uh, for I uh, hear for this draft class yes yeah, Spencer Rattler going into this year just some quick thoughts on my end but Rattler's such a complete enigma right because kind of you look back at the 2000 and I believe it was the 21 draft and looking ahead to 22 everyone kind of had Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell who now is with the Washington Commanders as quarterback one and two some people had them interchanged obviously but Rattler I think fell off so hard now, some of it, I think, is the emergence of Caleb Williams. Some of it is just Rattler never really fit what Lincoln Riley was trying to build at OU. And we know Lincoln's obviously at USC now. So this is something where I think ultimately you look at, right? And kind of what you have to really go ahead and say is that Rattler, I don't think, is going to be a top quarterback in this class. 
I think when you look at him, people are going to kind of say, all right, you know what? He kind of fell off really far and that there's going to be mixed opinions about him, but I think he's overall going to be an incredibly polarizing prospect. Yeah, and, and it's certainly possible that his descent continues here because you know the tape was pretty, pretty brutal for him last year. So overall, I mean, you look at this group here, there are a ton of other guys there that we could have mentioned. Um, you look at BYU's uh, Jaron Hall is another interesting name to mention here. Uh, Jake Hayner out of Fresno State. Um, you know, Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. Like, there are a lot of intriguing players here in this upcoming draft class. But ultimately, I mean, those are some of the guys that we're looking forward to here. It all starts with Bryce Young. It all starts with C.J. Stroud. So uh, this is a much more talented group, I think, when compared to the 2020, uh, 2022 uh, quarterback class. And I'm excited to see what happens this upcoming year because a lot of these guys can step up. A lot of these guys could disappoint. Um, but it should be an exciting year to watch these quarterback grow and develop. And, you know, the Bears, I they're not going to be in the market for a quarterback, I would doubt, um, next upcoming year. But it's, you know, this quarterback class is important for this Bears team because, um, you know, the Bears could, if, if they have a high enough draft, draft pick, they could dangle the fact to other teams that, hey, we may want to move down and get some extra picks if you want to come up and get one of these guys, uh, NFL teams. Um, just saying. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see how these how that goes for them because, you know, while having two quarterbacks at, at such a high level is nice, having a third guy at the top of the draft for Bears to be able to trade down uh, for with a team with uh, would be helpful as well. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening with that. But all in all, um, I'm excited to watch this group uh, and see how they develop moving forward. And uh, should be a fun year for this quarterback class. So without further ado, I think that's a good point to wrap it up for us today for this Picks for Polls podcast. For all of our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in to us. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe uh, to us at the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods as well. Um, wherever you get your podcast platform, uh, make sure to give us a follow there. Um, in terms of social media, make sure to follow Picks for Polls on Twitter at Picks for Polls, where uh, during the college football season, we'll be having different updates throughout the course of the year. Uh, you say, where can our listeners find your work and follow you on social media? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal, and then you can check out my work on the Bear Report. I've kind of had daily stories dropping regarding what's going on with training camp as well as a lot of updates. And then just as we continue to get into the college football season here, you know, certainly going to have a lot of fun updates as well regarding everything going on with the 2023 NFL Draft. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say to follow. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at agentfreeman25. You can find my work at the Bear Report. If you want to see my notes from um, the training camp practice I was at on Tuesday, August 2nd, you can check that out at the Bear Report as well. Um, you know, a lot of interesting stuff from that practice there. I expect to be going to two more practices uh, on the 10th and 11th of August before uh, the Bears play the Chiefs for their first preseason game, I think on the 13th. So, uh, it's coming up, Bears fans, and next time we're here for you guys. Uh, we have a game to talk about, so I'm, I'm really excited. You know, football season is now in full swing, and I'm excited to just talk about a game next week. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. But until that time, Bears fans, uh, bear down and have yourselves a great weekend. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.